step into the sin bin. This is Penalty Box Radio. Four-time Best Sports Blog winner. With Justin Bradford. Three-time winner for Best Sports Reporter and Commissioner of the SECHC. And Glenn Blackwell. It's time to talk all things hockey in the music city. Penalty Box Radio is on. Smashville's Best Sports Talk. ESPN. 1025 The Game. Hello and welcome to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 102.5 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, and uh, oof. <laughs> that's, uh, mm-hmm. that's about all I have to say about that. So good show, everyone. We'll see you next week. That was fun. I know. I didn't even get to give my input. I'm sorry. <laughs> my bad. There we go. That was mine. <laughs> it has been absolutely rough. And there's no excuse or blame on the schedule or whatnot. But in a span of two weeks the nashville predators have one win out of six against the two florida teams Mm -hmm. one win out of six that's that's really bad (laughs) i mean it is (laughs) it's terrible and i will i will say this so any team in any sport when they're playing up against the former stanley cup champions they they naturally want to say well they're playing up against the 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 former Stanley Cup champions, you know, what can you do? What you can do is start playing like a championship level team. When you look at Tampa Bay, they've got their goaltending solid. Nashville, yes, we've got, they've got, the, they've got some goaltending, but Vasilevsky is playing lights out. Save percentage, 9-5. Goals against, 1.4. Special teams, earlier in the season, we saw – the power play not working for Tampa Bay, but Tampa Bay was a team that said, look, if they, let's just say out of six, out of six power play options, they, they got three goals, three out of six, instead of celebrating the fact that they got three, they went into the locker room and said, what happened on the other three? And we've seen a lot of movement, a lot of little pieces here and there until they started to get it right. Penalty kill. They're one of the top in the league. They've got that right. Nashville is above league average in a lot of the things that you don't want to be above league average. On. <laughs> you just don't expect goals against scoring chances against percentage of high danger scoring chances. They are top in the league in high danger goals against on the penalty kill. You don't want to be there. And so when you play against a championship team, you have to play like a championship team or you're not, you're never going to get there. They have to start using the entire sheet of ice as their playing field. And it's, I mean, we've, we can come on here every single week and say, well, maybe if they tweak this or maybe if they tweak that, but at some point, I mean, you just have to start, you have to start playing like a championship team. You have to tie up all these little loose ends and make them cohesive or you're going to stay where you are or worse you're going to get even worse. And I mean, you can't really go further down. I mean, honestly, and I'm not trying to be rude, but when you look at, let's say Tampa Bay goals for, they are eighth out of the 31 teams goals against first out of 31 Nashville, 23rd out of 31 goals for and goals against 27th out of 31. I mean, you can't really go much lower than that. 
And it's unfortunate for fans who really, really, really were hopeful. But I mean, I don't even know what else to say at this point. I would, I would hope that it can only go up from here <laughs> because where else can you really go? <laughs> uh, Glenn it's, dropping it's some tough. knowledge. It's Glenn's tough to watch. Some knowledge here. Uh, and you're, you're absolutely spot on. And it's it, it, Philip Forsberg was asked last night, is this the, is this the potential of the team? Is this what the team is? And he doesn't believe it is. And, Mm-hmm. I, we've been saying from the start that this team was going to, I don't want to say struggle would be the, the appropriate word would be a bubble team that they're mm-hmm. going to have to play really, really good hockey to make it in the playoffs. Just given the, com- the compete level of the rest of the division and the way the roster looked that they were going to have to play very good hockey, the entire shortened season and mm-hmm. play way above what they probably wore on paper to get above the third spot. Right mm-hmm. now they're playing like the seventh place team. Mm-hmm. in this division because they are and yeah. that's what they are right now and we'll discuss asset management in our last segment which is after we'll talk about the games against the red wings and some high school hockey but this team the way they're playing is ext- it's frustrating because we look at the beginning of the season mm-hmm. and they played fa- they played fairly well against columbus but they played really well against carolina and they lost mm-hmm. that game i mean i know it was only three games in but they said they felt like they played even better against Carolina than they played against Columbus. They lucked out winning against Columbus, and they mm-hmm. just unfortunately were not able to win against Carolina. But those are the kinds of efforts and games you want that, yes, you're going to lose games. And mm-hmm. if you're going to be upset that you lose games. But, but it's how, how you, you lose played. them. Yeah, how yeah. you lose yeah. them. How did, how did you lose them? Did you play well enough and things just maybe didn't fall? Were you a little snake bitten? Were you at mm-hmm. least generating good opportunities and things just couldn't fall? Was your goaltender making stellar saves and maybe one or two squeaked by that you just really want to have it back, but it wasn't overly soft? Were you mm-hmm. playing smart enough hockey to where you maybe only took one or two penalties in the game, but you still killed them off? And then mm-hmm. the other team just five on five squeaked one in and you lost by one goal. If you're losing games in that manner and you're playing overall good hockey, okay, people are going to be way more accepting of that because they know, the players know, the coaches know that you did everything you possibly could, but you just weren't the better team that night. And that's okay sometimes to just not be the better team. But when you shoot yourselves in the foot by taking bad penalties, by taking, oops, I got beat, I'm going to take a penalty penalty, that's when mm-hmm. there's a big problem. And that's when they need to adjust. And they had the players only meeting that lasted what the results of that lasted half a period in the first period. And then the wheels fell off again. There, there's so many issues going on right now that they need to figure out that it's very difficult for me to place all the blame on John Hines. This is on the players. It's on the mm-hmm. coaching staff. It's on management as well in terms of in uh, player management. There's so many different levels of blame that go around here too, because it is obvious that things are not working right now. And it's not like it's a one or two game skid. This Mm -hmm. kid started in the Dallas road trip. Exactly. And that's a different conversation when you're coming off of two games where you didn't look your best, but when you've had repeated games of other teams making you look like a horrible hockey team, that's when it becomes a problem. And that's what we're seeing as of late. And with Tampa in these two games, it's not like Tampa was doing things to embarrass the Preds and say, we're just a better team. They just played hockey. It's not like the Predators were shooting themselves in the foot so many times and not looking like they were in the game as much. They're Mm -hmm. making mental mistakes that Tampa didn't have to do much to just show them up. They just naturally did. Like, it wasn't like they got just fancy. Just by playing the game. Yeah, just <laughs> That's the, the problem. There's nothing unique about what Tampa did. They just did. <laughs> that's, they showed that's up the and they played their best game. And 
it made Nashville look like a bad hockey team. And that is a huge problem when, like you said, when a team shows up and plays a game and make you look bad, what does that say about where your team stands? Absolutely. All right. Well, up next, we're going to talk with Carly Johnston. She's the entering a host and reporter for the Detroit Red Wings. Just see where they're at. Obviously, it's been a struggle for them, but there's hope on the horizon for Detroit. There's Mm -hmm. plenty of hope with Steve Eisman in control there. That's up next on Penalty Box Radio. She's Glenn Blackwell. I'm Justin Bradford. Stay tuned. And welcome back to Penalty Box Radio here in ESPN 102.5 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell. And joining us now, there's two games. It's, it's been a while to call them a division rival, but the Detroit Red Wings are back in the same division as the Nashville Predators, and they have two games coming up Thursday and Saturday against Detroit. And joining us now is Carly Johnston. She's the in-arena host and reporter for the Detroit Red Wings. So, Carly, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Looking forward to talking about this matchup ahead. I know it's it's so it's a little weird. I mean, the division realignment and everything like that too. Seeing some of the former Western Conference foes, what's the season been like for you? Just to have a little bit of a different experience. Different to say the least. So <laughs> usually I'm you know hosting an arena. Obviously we have limited fans right now. I think we're at 500 for Little Caesars Arena. But I've been able to take on more of an analyst role for intermissions. We have um, kind of a second screen experience on home turf app. Hockey Town Home Ice. So I'm, I'm getting to do a little more uh, analytics and talking a little more hockey, which I love. That's kind of where my passion is. So it's been different to say the least, but I'm silver lining is I'm excited where I'm at right now in my career, being able to talk more about the games. And Carly, jumping right in. So after a struggle of a last season, there has been some consistency with this team as of late in the last few games um, and Nashville is no stranger to feeling like they put the effort in they're just not yielding the results and I think that that's what we're seeing as of late with Detroit are you seeing a roster that is kind of frustrated and trying to claw their way out or are you seeing a roster that is maintaining their composure and they're just thinking if we just keep this up eventually this will pay off Yeah, to be completely honest, I do see a team that's kind of struggling right now with injuries and guys who are on the COVID protocol list. We had five guys out, you know, five main guys too out on that COVID protocol list. And now we have uh, big guys injured too, you know, and Tyler Bertuzzi, he's out, he was hot to start the season and now he's out with an upper body injury and stay by day, but we don't know when he's going to return. My understanding is that it won't be in this series against Nashville, but this is a team that's coming off of a really, really tough last season. I know it ended a little earlier, but we only had 17 wins on this season last year. We are in a rebuild. And the future is bright for the Red Wings. You know, we look at Tampa Bay Lightning, who is in the division with us, and we see the kind of team that Steve Eiserman has built over there. So now we're, we're hopeful, but looking at what we have right now, it is a struggle. It, 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 it sucks to watch these guys and their compete level every night. You know, they're really grinding out there. And it, it, it just, it hurts to see the score, which has been for the most part, each game is a lot of times two to one. It's a low scoring game, which is, you know, you can look at both aspects of that. We're not scoring enough, but we're also not letting other teams score as much. We don't have many wins under our belt yet, but hoping to go into this series, nothing against you guys, but hoping to pick up some big points for the Red Wings. Cause I know we're both kind of struggling um, with our goals this season. You know, we look at the goals against, we're both tied for 46 goals against, and that just plays to, um, 
shutting down the app, the opposing team, but also scoring more. I know you guys are, are a few, a few goals above us in the goals for, but <laughs> it's definitely been a struggle. It has this season. And speaking of scoring, uh, Bobby Ryan signed in October. There was no doubt, he said, that he knew after the conversation with Detroit, that was exactly where he wanted to be. Um, so far, he's tallied four goals, three assists. He's getting some time on the first unit power play. What is he bringing to that second line that maybe Detroit was lacking before? Energy, I think, is one big thing for the Red Wings. <laughs> <laughs> he, he brings a lot of energy on the ice and in the locker room, and I think that's something the Wings were definitely lacking. You know, you, again, look at last season, and they're just coming back from that and trying to build off of that and get more than 17 wins. Obviously, we want way more than that, but just trying to build on last season. And again, you know, it was so incredible to see Bobby Ryan score four goals in those few, first few games as a Red Wing. I know he's had some personal struggles last season and it's amazing. You, you know, you, you really look at a guy like that and you see his passion for the game and his passion for life as a whole. And that is something that Red Wings really needed to change the tone of the locker room. Uh, so he has definitely impacted this team both on and off the ice. And again, Carly Johnson of the Detroit Red Wings joining us right now to help preview that team coming to Nashville for two games coming up. And Carly, looking at this team as well, Dylan Larkin, obviously, is a, is a big piece. I mean, hometown kid. I spoke with him at, at a camp before the draft even happened and how much he just grew up being a Red Wings fan from Waterford and everything there, too. For him to be named captain when he was, which was basically right before the season started, what did that mean to this team? What did it mean to the community in general and the organization to have a hometown kid like that named as captain? And a young one as well. And everybody just kind of knew that was he was the one, obviously. But what did it mean overall to the entire Red Wings community for that to happen? It's a story. It's a story for the Red Wings fans that they can follow. And even if the team isn't doing well, it's something that they can be hopeful for and excited about. And that's we kind of look at last season. I don't mean to keep looking in the past, but we look at last season when Steve Eiserman was brought on as the general manager. And it's funny, you go and you look in Instagram comments on the Detroit Red Wings Instagram, and it's always hashtag, you know, bring back Eiserman, hashtag, give Larks the C, hashtag, you know, it's all like the fans want it. We've been giving them exactly what they want, <laughs> but, and it's incredible. I actually just caught up with Dylan Larkin's parents, uh, Mr. Kevin and Miss Denise, and we were able to look back on everything that Dylan has accomplished and the man who he is today. And they're like, we are just so proud of who he's grown to be and, and keeping himself composed. And it's, it's not easy. You know, he's, I believe he's 20, 26 years old, 25 years old. I mean, he's in his mid twenties coming out game after game, loss after loss, having to explain to the media what went wrong. And I think it takes someone with great composure to be able to, you know, he's frustrated in his own gameplay as well. It's not just the whole team. He's not producing the way he wants to be. And he has to come out and face everyone game after game again, loss after loss saying, you know, we just have to get better. This is what we need to focus on. I understand I'm as frustrated as you guys. That's not easy for a 20 something year old kid. I mean, I call him kid, but <laughs> I'm only a few years older than him, but that's tough. I, I wouldn't be able to do that. Honestly, you know, I try and I have to report on the team. It's tough. It's tough when the team's not doing well. So I can't imagine the pressure on his shoulders and the weight he's carrying throughout the season and, and seasons to come. 
you mentioned Steve Eisen plenty of times. And obviously, you need to talk about him. And so I'm originally from Michigan. Uh, grew up watching the Red Wings. Moved down to Tennessee as part of General Motors and everything. So obviously, switched over to Preds when they came <laughs> along. It's the natural progression when growing up and everything. But Steve Eisen was always the, the guy that I looked up to with my sports hero. Those of you that read, have read my book, you, you know that, right? But <laughs> So I don't get too much of a hard time giving to me. But Steve Eisenman <laughs> is looked at as, I'm sure, the savior. And in reasons, too, because they've seen what the work he can do more than anything else. It's not like it's just bring Steve Eisman back because of Steve Eisman. It's we see what has happened in Tampa. Please, mm-hmm. Steve Eisman, come save us too. And, and seeing what Tampa's been able to do and seeing that a lot of the team that's been successful in Tampa is still because of him. Granted, yeah, they've had plenty of successful people come in after him, but they've seen what he's able to do when it comes to drafting and preaching patience and seeing what he can do with free agency. Is that the general consensus still? in Detroit and, and all the Detroit fan base that he's trusting Iserman because overall he's going to do the right things. 100%. There's a phrase that almost every fan uses and every, even my coworkers, my colleagues, you know, trust the Iser plan. That's, that's exactly what it is. You look at what he does. And it's, it's funny to look too, because obviously he just came from Tampa Bay, as you were saying, and they won the Stanley cup last season. And he came to the Red Wings and he's drafting these guys where people were kind of, he drafted Moritz Sider. People were kind of scratching their heads going, wait, who, you know, we had, we had all these guys, incredible prospects in the pool that we could have drafted. And he kind of went and um, took one out of left field. And at first we we're like, Brent Sider, we don't know much about him. Shoot. You know, we're, we're all Googling, trying to figure out what we're going to say about him and look what he's done. You know, he's been a great, great prospect. He's played well. And we're all like, okay, so this is what it is. It's not, let's pick exactly who you think I should pick. Let's pick who I've been watching, keeping my eye on who I think is going to be right for this team, for this organization. You know, not every player prospect, what have you, fits into an organization the way you would hope. You know, every team is different. Every, every process for each team is different. So I think Eisenman knows exactly what this team should look like and exactly where this organization can go. And he's building off of that. So again, try, trust the Iser plan. <laughs> I'll say it as a reference <laughs> fan and as a reporter for the team, I believe great things are to come. And that's what I keep thinking. You know, when, again, we're looking at a, a slew of losses this season and I'm like, you know, the future is bright though. I know maybe I sound uh, too optimistic, although I am cautiously optimistic. <laughs> the future is bright. You know, this, this isn't, a team that's going to win Stanley Cup this year, not to sound negative, but it it, it will come eventually. And I, I believe that truly. Well, I think it goes a lot too with when we look at Eisenman's career, especially in the 80s and what the team was going through in the 80s. And then they bring in for those, I'm referencing the Russian Five a lot because it's one of my favorite sports documentaries yeah. now. And, and seeing what happened there because they brought him in, he was immediately made captain and they there was some suffering that went on. But then you saw some of the way they used draft picks on some of these Russian players and people are just questioning everything going, who, why? You're not going to see him for years. And it's just trust the plan. And it did take a while to, to fully fill in, but it did. And we saw what the Red Wings were in the 90s and the early 2000s. That was all, that was a 15 year plan. It was a long term plan to make them into dynasty mode. And it takes time for that to happen. You do have to be bad sometimes to get some good draft picks, but you also have to make smart picks that fit the organization. He's experienced that and lived that. So it seems like he's applying that experience right now to the Red Wings of, of right now and how you can do that. And so it's good to see that there's trust in the system there as well. And so now back to today's team more than anything else too, looking at a lot of these names, a lot of people, especially fans that are keeping up with the Red Wings are probably going to pull the whole who 
type of thing. <laughs> but it's one of those things that it's still important to know because there's some guys in here that, like you've said before, are really trying and everything too. But we look at in, in goaltending and net. I mean, Bernier, Grice, Pickard. What overall has goaltending been like for the Red Wings team in, in terms of like keeping them in games as well? Because like you said, a lot of 2-1 games or some close games there, they just haven't been able to get over the hump. Absolutely. And I know Thomas Grice, excuse me, Thomas Grice just got his first win as a Red Wing, which to me isn't fair because he's a player I look at and his stats don't really represent his play because I think he's been super solid in that in between those pipes for the Red Wings. But it all boils down to how the team is playing in front of the net as well. Grice can only save so many pucks come flying at him. You know, we need to see more guys diving in front of those pucks, sacrificing their bodies for the team. We need to see more offensive play. And he's someone that I really looked at. I know Bernier hasn't, uh, he's injured, so he hasn't had as many games as uh, we've seen out of Grice. But it's nice to finally see Grice get that, get that pat on the back and say, yeah, we got that win for you because you've been so good for us in between the pipes. And He's someone, you know, a veteran who knows what he's doing, but he's fitting into this Red Wings team well. And I, I felt bad for him for a while. Again, like I said, he's, he's just playing lights out night in and night out. And the poor guy, he just couldn't get a win, but that was on the rest of the team. So goaltending, goaltending has been more solid than it's been in recent seasons for us, I believe. Again, with what you were saying, the low scoring games, but it all boils down to um, the offensive and defensive play in front of the net. Well, Carly, we've got to get to break. I really appreciate your time and just the insight into the Red Wings. And I mean, I can see it. I think most people in hockey can see it as well, that the future is going to be bright for Detroit, making a lot of good decisions and bringing in someone that just knows how to build this team. So they'll, they'll get back to it. They'll get back to it. And it'll be curious to see how things happen this weekend between two teams that have some things to get sorted out. So it'd be two interesting, fun games on Thursday and Saturday. So thank you so much for your time and for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate you having me on. Carly Johnston, everyone, reporter and in-arena host for the Detroit Red Wings. Obviously doing a lot more, especially in this COVID year, doing a lot more uh, analysis and everything, too. So just great to have her on and to, to hear her thoughts, too, because she she went to school in Michigan. She went to Michigan State. So she's mm-hmm. been in there with the Red Wings and everything, too, and it just knows what this team's going through as well. And you can hear that in her voice, the passion and also the hope for the future, too. Absolutely. Um, it is exciting. It's, you know, it's one of those things where you – I, I can hear the excitement in her voice when you are affiliated with a team that has been struggling as long as Detroit has. Um, you kind of want to finally have something hopeful to hold on to. And I think that Detroit is slowly starting to see that now. Um, and so you can't help but, you know, we're sitting here talking in Nashville. You don't want to be excited for them. But when you're thinking about their fan base, you're excited for them that they actually have something now that they feel is tangible that they can build up from and build that foundation. So. Absolutely. Okay. Well, up next, let's switch gears to high school hockey. Independent Spring Hill just won the Henry Hine Cup, which is the relegation championship for GNASH, the high school hockey league here in Middle Tennessee. So we're going to have Camden Rummo of Independent Spring Hill hockey team joining us next year on Penalty Box Radio, ESPN 1025, the game. And welcome back to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 1025, the game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell. Let's shift gears to high school hockey talk and GNASH here coming off a Hine Cup victory. We have Camden Rummo joining us from the Independence High School Spring Hill team. Camden, thanks for joining us, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. So first of all, congratulations winning the Hind Cup. You guys had quite the journey uh, to get there. What's going through your mind just in terms of winning this, given the regular season that you guys had? Yeah, I mean, going into the regular season, you know you're not going to win a lot of games against some of these better teams. But you uh, 
you know, the, the games that you know that you can win, uh, you have to battle. And in the playoffs, we, uh, we battled and we came out on top sometimes. And when you look back at this past year, I'm just trying to place myself um, in your shoes and you're trying to navigate school, possibly virtually, your sport, socializing from a distance. When you look at the whole experience, um, what has that been like for you? And how did your team manage to keep focused, get you to that championship? Yeah, it's for sure different. You know, no one's ever been through this. Um, it, it sucks because we've had some practices and games canceled. And, you know, in previous years, you could have a lot of people come to the games. And now just having two, four, sometimes like, um, not for high school, but for my travel team, sometimes we had, we played games with no parents in the stands. So it's just a video. And so it's, it's a lot, it's a different atmosphere and it's, uh, it takes a little bit to get used to it. So you kind of have to mentally prepare yourself in a different way, I'd imagine, because you're playing in a different scenario than you're used to. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not ideal. <laughs> not ideal, but luckily, luckily a lot of family was able to be there uh, for this game. And so everybody knows too, this is a, it's a double elimination tournament. So there, there's pressure when you get to these championship games because you'll have a team that reaches there and then you have a, another team coming from the elimination bracket with a lot of momentum riding on them too. How did you guys bounce back in terms of mentally after Father Ryan forced another game? Just what was going through your minds? Because you guys obviously knew what you're capable of doing. So what was that message in the locker room and, and to the team to say, hey, we got to come back out. We got to go beat them. Yeah, I mean, after the first game, we uh, um, we're going into the first game. We thought that we had it in the bag coming off a 6-1 win in the first round against them. But uh, after we lost, it was uh, things got a lot more serious in the locker room. Uh, before the next game and we knew that we wouldn't go out without a fight uh yeah and th this game so for folks that weren't able to watch it first of all you can go watch it on penalty box radio it's still there on the facebook page because it was a thriller <laughs> needless to say game goes to overtime what's going through your mind with all this as well knowing that there's pressure up you hear the cheering going on in the stands uh, obviously this is these are the moments though that athletes are built for right for you are able to step up and everything so what's going through your mind as overtime starting uh, I was really just hoping it didn't go into a shootout because uh, it's it's even more stressful than overtime for me. Uh, I, I really do not like shootouts. Last time I missed. So, I, and I knew that my coach would put me out there if we did get into a shootout, and I did not want that to happen. <laughs> yeah. so I, I really wanted to end it in overtime, and, you know, lucky enough, or uh, I did. Yeah. yeah, you did. So, this was one of those things, too, was a – interesting interesting plays going on uh, in overtime take us through that moment like what did you see on the ice when you were able to score that overtime goal what did you see and how did that open up for you to get that to go in yeah we had a good uh, opportunity um coming down then they dumped it out and I guess they tried to get a line change a line change and uh Gibby gave it to me up the half wall and I I didn't even know it was on a breakaway so I gave it to Rowlett and then turned into a two on oh and he just went in and he passed it back to my surprise and I was like oh I'm gonna score I think you're getting to break down odd man rushes for the Preds here because you guys definitely executed that a little bit better than the Preds have lately. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so what what is your 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 overall experience been like playing high school hockey? And I know you played you, you played junior as well. So just what's the experience been like for you in being a part of, of, of the high school hockey league here in Nashville? Yeah, it's really different because uh, also playing on a travel team, uh, being on both teams, even though G Nash is a little less uh, less stressful for a lot of the people um it's still fun to to help other people even if like you're a little bit better than them to you know see them grow over the course of a year and to really showcase your skills against uh 
against your own teammates who are on the other team in high school, but they're on your travel team. So it's really cool to play against them and like, and uh, smack talk them, even if <laughs> you are best friends. That is a very unique thing. And just looking at this too, and we see this all the time after games where everybody just kind of huddles up and you're having your post-game talk because you all have grown up together and know each other that you might be on different high school teams or even you might be kids that are on the Flyers, the Junior Preds or the Ice Bears, but you all still know each other and everything too. What's that like having that close hockey community to where, yeah, you're, you're competing on the ice, but knowing after the fact that you guys can still remain friends because you've grown up together? Yeah, I mean, it's amazing uh, being able to do that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, um, I love the hockey community. I wouldn't want to play any other sport. And it sucks having to drive like an hour to get to the rink like two, three times a week. But I think it's worth it in the end. So what you're saying is we need more ice in Middle Tennessee. I think that's what I heard. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Make it happen. So I love it. Let's dive into that then because you brought it up. How much more do you think the sport would grow and how much more available do you think players would be in terms of the growth of high school hockey and junior hockey? How important that would that be for just the development of this sport if, if there was more ice like in your area? Yeah, I mean, I think it would grow tremendously. Um, the, the Bishops have a small ice – or not even small, it's pretty big too. A uh, little less than regulation size next uh, in their house and they rent it out if you can. But uh, it's not just the ice too. A lot of it is um, – getting the equipment because everyone knows hockey equipment is very expensive. Uh, but yeah, if, if uh, it was more available, I'm, I'm uh, very confident that the sport would grow, especially in a place like Tennessee. Absolutely. So I, I want to talk about uh, your goaltender. He played pretty stellar in the playoffs. Uh, Grant Williams just played extremely well. What's it like having him backstop you guys? Yeah, it's great to have him out there. Um, especially in a, in a time where you're on the bench and, they have a good opportunity, just like in overtime, like they did. And knowing that Grant is out there to help us and you can't do anything when you're on the bench, uh, I mean, except give encouragement. And then, you know, uh, yeah, it's it's great knowing that he stopped all, all 51 shots he faced because we didn't play a lot of good defense in that game. Yeah, that's he, he's pretty stellar and phenomenal. And so I wanted to hand it back over to Glenn. Now, we always do something, especially with uh, when we have GNS players on, just to do some get to know you questions. So, Glenn, have at it. All right, here we go. Uh, what is your favorite sport to watch outside of hockey? Uh, I'd probably have to say football. All right. NHL team that you would love to play for one day? Um, anything but Winnipeg. I, I don't like Winnipeg. <laughs> not, not just as a team. The city. We're going to have you uh, on every single week. No. <laughs> yeah. The city, is it because they have slow Wi-Fi? I was just about to say. Yeah, it's like the middle of nowhere in Canada. I would not want to do that. You can't do video chat. You can't do anything. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Favorite sports team growing up? Um, Besides the Preds, I'd probably have to say the Patriots just because I was born in New New Hampshire and all my parents uh, both grew up in Boston. Okay. That makes sense. Favorite sports movie? Uh, I got to go with Miracle on ice all right my Same man here. my Same man here. and then also your favorite movie but a non-sports movie oh uh, oh um Step Brothers. yes Step Brothers. oh yes we just become amazing. best friends yeah I, one, of, one of my best friends has a, the photo of them that portrait of them she has that framed in her house just to see how many people notice it when they come over and see if they recognize them yeah <laughs> like, that's genius yeah one time at uh, a at family pictures, like for the year, me and my brother uh, recreated the, the photo. Like oh, on that's the, fantastic. Yeah, on the uh, movie cover, yeah. 
<laughs> that so is fantastic. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> and lastly, did you have any uh, television show that you binged during quarantine last year? Um, yeah, probably just like uh, I think everyone was watching Outer Banks and All American, but lately I've been getting into uh, Trailer Park Boys on Netflix. Okay. All right. I haven't heard right. about that one. I'll have to look it up. Yeah. All right. So now, now my turn because this is typical an answer. Do you game at all? You you gaming at all? Uh, no, not a lot. Uh, I'd rather be on my phone watching movies. But um, okay. if I do, I would be playing show. Okay. All right. Yeah. Are you typically playing like online? Are you playing your own franchise mode? What do you typically do if you're on show? Uh, I normally just play my friends whenever they come over or I go to their houses. Yeah, I'm not a big gamer. Okay. All right. So now pregame, because this has been unique because this changed. This has evolved in terms of pregame meals for hockey players because it used to be always chicken parm, chicken parm, chicken parm. Yeah. <laughs> and we've talked to multiple different players like, I don't even need to have like a granola bar, but I celebrate a victory after that. So do you have a pregame meal you typically go with? Uh, if it's a big game, um, yeah, I like to eat chicken parm before. I don't know why. Everyone does it. It's just like some chicken. bread and yeah, just like some bread and pasta. But uh, no, I, I really don't. I just uh, you know, like C four the pre workout. Yeah, I just have either that or Red Bull before. Honestly, not much to eat. Got to get hype. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Camden, congratulations again. We appreciate you taking the time to talk with us, and best wishes just on the rest of of hockey for you. And yeah, thanks again, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Y'all have a great day. Camden Rumma, everyone, independent Spring Hill, just the winner of the Hind Cup there, and also one of the co-MVP of the game, as well with the game winner in overtime against Father Ryan. So congratulations to him. Good talking to him. And always good to highlight our high school hockey players here in Tennessee. Absolutely. And how much fun was he? I loved the I loved the Winnipeg. <laughs> I know. That's perfect. Because I still go back to the, the San Jose thing. Winnipeg. When the San Jose Sharks yep, are like, yep. that's slow Wi-Fi. <laughs> And that went on for so long. So to hear him say anywhere uh, Winnipeg, but Winnipeg, Winnipeg. Was just really funny. They even have an airport. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, up next, let's discuss asset management with the National Predators. Something that I, I need to discuss this, Glenn. So just get uh, it off your chest. Here we go. Just that. buckle up, kiddos. We're ready to go. Up next, penalty <laughs> box radio, ESPN one two five the game. And welcome back to penalty box radio here on ESPN one two five the game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell. And we, I don't know if we should just jump right into this or what, Glenn, but I've been kind of frustrated. Kind of, I've been extremely frustrated with a mm-hmm. few things of asset management uh, with the National Predators team and seeing some prospects that should be getting some time or some scratches, uh, things like that. And I'll, I'll preface this with saying, I understand what the taxi squad is for. I mean, I've been one of the people that's trying to explain what the taxi squad is and that it comes down to mm-hmm. money with two-way contracts things like that but in terms of when players are playing okay or well and or not playing okay or well and scratching things like that asset management when it comes to prospects i've had some problems mm-hmm. had some problems and and i think you, i think you should be able to use this time to get that off your chest crack your knuckles <laughs> move your shoulders up and down crack your neck and just go in the second game against Tampa Bay this week. Ellie Tolvanen, it was announced, was getting re-signed to the taxi squad. Caught me off guard because Ellie Tolvanen played a fairly good game against Tampa on Monday. And he didn't score, but positionally, he was sound. He was getting lots of power play time and opportunities there. He was back-checking. He's being a little physical. He's finishing his checks. He was doing a lot of the things you want a prospect to be doing, especially... A prospect that has a scoring capability. 
when you are a team that is struggling to put pucks in the back of the net, the last thing that should be happening is scratching a player that has an innate ability, especially on a power play, to put the puck in the back of the net. I I do not understand the reason of putting Tolvanen on the bench and putting Sean Malone in. And this is the thing I even tweeted out last night. This is not against Sean Malone. If you want to give Sean Malone a look, by all means, give him a look, just like what they did with Cole Smith at the beginning of the game. You, you give a kid a look to see what, they're, what they are made of. You have injuries you're dealing with, especially the center position with Johansson and, and Richardson. Fine. Give him a look. And you have Michael McCarron in there. Okay. But to have those two in there, yes, they're playing center, but you can have plenty of centers playing on this team because it seems like everyone is right wing, left wing, slash C in the squad. Do not scratch Ellie Tolvanen in favor of them. Because when we looked at the lineup last night, which had Colton Sissons as number one center, had Matt Duchesne on the wing for some reason, and then you had two fourth lines. So you had a second line, a third line, maybe, and two fourth lines. So I asked John Hines about this, and I respect John Hines in terms of him giving the time to answer questions, and I feel like I ask thoughtful questions in trying to get actual answers and trying to get him to explain his thought process in this, and I definitely absolutely appreciate that because I try to get decent responses out of him to help explain to, to fans and to everyone else what he's trying to do. And so I try to ask thought provoking questions to give him an, an opportunity to explain the reasoning for certain things or what he sees out there, what his thought process is. And he's been fantastic at that. The answer that I received from head coach John Hines last night in regards to scratching Tolvin in. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to go for it. <laughs> and he said, that's a good question. Like, Oh, it is. It's a good question. <laughs> And he said it was because of load management and that, you know, as, as a young player, they want to make sure he's not getting too tired and things like that. Come on. If Dante Fabro playing defense can be out there every single night and he's what, a year older or right around, right around the same age as Ellie Tolvanen, why can't Tolvanen be out there every night? I will look to the past. Ellie Tolvanen has been playing professional hockey since the 2017-18 season. He's been playing against men in the KHL. He has been playing a ridiculous amount of hockey games every single season since he turned pro. He played a full season with the Milwaukee Admirals until the shutdown last season. He's played before coming this season. He played in the KHL with Jokerit. He had 25 games before even coming up. Load management for a 21-year-old kid? Are you kidding me? No, no, that that I was I do not accept that answer. So that's where I question: Is that John Hines making that decision, or is it someone else? Is it, are they saying Matt is management saying that another player needs to be in here so we can get a look at him, or we want scouts to look at this player potentially? I have no idea what's going on there, so I won't claim to have an idea. But to have Ellie Tolvanen, who gives you an opportunity to score some goals, is sitting on the bench in favor of other players, I find that asinine. It's ridiculous that he was sitting on the bench when he has been playing professional hockey for multiple years. He may be a rookie in NHL terms, but he's not a rookie in terms of being able to handle the number of games he's playing. There, there's no reason on that. That, that. Of all things, I even gave the out to say, 
it's just a rotational thing. You want to give other people a look, things like that. I gave an out. You know, I tried to give an out, but what with load management? Load ma- if he's tired playing back-to-backs as a 21-year-old, then he shouldn't be playing professional hockey, should he? But if Dante Fabro, who came from college hockey, which has a much more limited schedule than anywhere else in pros or juniors or whatnot, and he came in to play full-time, then Ellie Tolvanen can when he's playing multiple back-to-backs or maybe three in one weekend in Milwaukee with the Admirals. That is That right there is ridiculous asset management from my perspective because they even scratched Eric Howla and Nick Cousins and brought in other players, but you didn't have Ellie Tolvanen in there who gives you a chance to score. This, this is beyond me, the reason of asset management when it comes to that. And you have Tomasino and Pitlick doing well there too. If you're going to make some changes, you've got to go with the youth movement. You've got to give them an opportunity to go in there, be thrown to the wolves, whether they, they, they're going to live or die, but they're going to learn. They're going to learn, learn, learn. That's what they need to be doing. They need to be playing. How do players get better? They give it player. They get better by playing the damn game. That's how you get better. When you're young, you got to play the damn game. That's how you get better. You got to play Tolvanen. Free him. I mean, what can I say that you didn't already say? (laughs) I mean, I felt so much of that because (laughs) that answer, load management, as as someone who is well over 21 years old, I'm like, if you're going to give that answer, give that to me for an older veteran player whose bones and muscles are worn out. That is more acceptable of an answer for me, even as a veteran player, than load management for somebody that's so young for a team that really does want to focus further down the line on that youth movement. Just like you just said, where is that experience going to come from? This is the same in a corporate world. They want you to have job experience before they hire you. So if Tolvanen is going to be a key piece of this Nashville Predators, where is that experience come from? I know this was this one isolated game that we were talking about, but if this continues and if that's the mindset of management, then where is this team headed? I mean, you have to ask those questions. And I'm glad that you asked John Hines that question. And it was a very good question. He just didn't give a very good answer. (laughs) Yeah. And he better be in these two games against Detroit. If you want to get a a rookie some confidence and Mm -hmm. hopefully they, they can go out and do their, their thing against Detroit because that should be expected. Mm Because I cannot imagine, I cannot imagine the blowback if this team does not get three or more points against Detroit. Yeah. The yeah. ex- the fans should absolutely expect this team to get three or more points because a fluke thing could happen. They lose an overtime or a shootout, especially shoot mm-hmm. just like Camden Romo said in our last segment. You, know, you get to the shootout, a lot of the stress, anything can happen in a shootout. It doesn't mean you're mm-hmm. always, overall we're the better team or not because you win. It just means your shooter was better than the goalie in that one time. Yeah. But three or more points is the, is the bare minimum that should be expected against the Detroit Red Wings. And it's not putting down the Detroit Red Wings. It's just – they're not stringing together multiple wins in a row, but they've shown that they can be pesky enough to beat a decent team. I mean, they mm-hmm. could beat Florida. They'd go beat Carolina, but they're not going to do it back-to-back. So you better make sure you get three or more points against them. And Ellie Tolvin and Darnell better be in the lineup because if, if he's not in the lineup for both of those games, especially with they're not being back-to-back, load management's not going to be an excuse then. Because that, that's another part of the question I asked too. I asked if it was a rotational thing. I asked if it was wanting to see other players. Mm-hmm. or if it was something about Ellie Tolvanen's game that they didn't like. So it was the other out that was provided mm-hmm. for potential to happen and yeah, take and is that, that 
Was it something you didn't like about his game? And you don't have to explain yeah. what it was. Just say, yeah, you know, we want to work with him on a few more things, watch video, watch this fair. game and see. And that's that absolutely fair. fair. Yeah. Just, just, just because I see something in his game that I think is good. I'm not a professional head coach. Mm-hmm. I'm not in the position. I'm not getting paid to do that. I'm just going by what I see from my years and experience in playing hockey awfully mm-hmm. and watching hockey <laughs> and, and writing about hockey and talking about hockey and seeing that I thought Tolan had a pretty strong game, but also seeing multiple other people confirm that. And, mm-hmm. and confirm my assumption of what I'm seeing out there. So if they still had an out by saying, you know, we, we, there are some things you want him to work on and, you know, he'll be, he'll be in the next game. We want him to sit and watch this game and go over tape with him. Okay. To me, that's an acceptable answer because then you were yeah. saying as a coach that there's still things you want to work with. I, we can disagree, but mm-hmm. that is your take on it. And that is a f- fairly acceptable take, but load management is an awful take on that one. So I, I don't know where that's coming from and who we'll see what happens from there, but there has got to be three, or more points against Detroit this weekend. There are some major issues to get fixed, and that is all around. The blame is all around, as we discuss. And I hate that the sandwich ends of this show has been fairly negative, but we're trying to speak to the fan here. We're trying to speak to everyone that has been watching and investing in this team. And we hope we are the voice of you when it comes to this, and that you're listening and that hopefully you agree. Let me let us know. I mean, tweet us at, at Justin B. Bradford, at Rebecca Glenn, what your thoughts are on this, because I feel like our takes are not even hot. We are seeing this and we are just putting it into words that sometimes fans aren't able to or don't have the voice to be able to do. And mm-hmm. there's some ridiculous things that are happening and expectations that, yeah, it's okay to not expect this team to be a Stanley Cup contender this year, but you can absolutely expect them to be competitive and to stay in games and to battle to hopefully try to win. And if they lose, at least they were looking good doing it because they did everything they possibly could and they were capable of doing, even if they lost a game. That's the expectation. Ooh, let's breathe it out. Breathe it out. Before we go, though, <sighs> speaking of Detroit, we can lighten this up a little bit before we go. Okay. Real you're quick. We got Mich- like two minutes. You're, you're a Michigander. Is that what they call y'all? Michigander? Oh, well, not a- I'm a Tennessean. <laughs> I'm definitely a Tennessean. It's been okay, a long so, time. Okay, so, but you came from there. I did, yes. Do you know the two previous names prior to them being the Red Wings? Do you know who they were prior to the Red Wings? Oh, my gosh. There were two. Let's see. Mm-hmm. Wait was a bird one was a falcon yep they were. I, I have no idea what the other one they were the cougars before the falcons <laughs> and they were the, they were only the falcons from 1930 to 1932 and then they became the red wings but oh my yeah, gosh fun little trivia to fun end trivia. this show on a lighter note the cougars, cougars. Yeah. I where they're hanging out <laughs> <laughs> not in detroit no mo <laughs> nope folks if you need more post-game information and videos and podcasts, everything you want can be found at PenaltyBoxRadio.com, on Facebook, on Twitter, uh, and wherever you get your podcasts, you can subscribe to Penalty Box Radio. You get fantasy hockey podcasts. You get our podcast here. You can get college hockey updates. You can get a little bit of everything in podcast form right there on PenaltyBoxRadio.com and on iTunes and Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get those. So, Glenn, thank you for your time tonight, as always. It was fun. I enjoyed it. All right, folks, for Glenn Blackwell, this is Justin Bradford signing off for Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 1025 The Game.